It is good to be back. I don't know how long, Russell, I've been coming here. I know it was a few years before I got married and been married going on five years. So, so it's good to be back. See your, see your faces again. And thank you for praying for me. We're going to look at a subject that I hope is something you count dear. I think it's one of the more precious of all the doctrines taught in the scriptures and it's one that we must really the more we think about it really thank God for because it's not just a doctrine out there in the theoretical realm it's something that lives within us something real it's something that if it was not true then we above all people are most miserable and uh, lifeless and the subject is regeneration regeneration if you would, turn with me to the book of James, chapter 1, starting at verse 13. Now, we're going to focus on verse 18. That'll be where we camp out and try to unpack the wealth of meaning in the verse of 18. But so that we might understand the context, we'll start in verse 13 and read down to verse 18. Let no man say when he is tempted... I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. That is, first of all, we see the root and the cause of sin comes within from within. We don't blame God when we sin or when we're tempted. The root, the foundation of sin comes from within us. We are the source, the author, and the cause of sin in our life. However, look at verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, cometh down from the Father of lights, from whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begot he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we bow our heads, praying that you would open up your word and make it alive to us. For it is by your word that we are quickened, and we pray that that would take place even at this moment, quickening, quickening our ears that we might hear for your own son's sake. This we pray. Amen. Now the Bible teaches us that when we're born into this world, we're already born dead. Now as soon as we are alive, we're really still dead. And what does that mean that the Bible tells us that we're born in trespasses and sins? Dead in trespasses and sins. What does the Bible mean that says you're dead as soon as you're born. How can we be dead when we're breathing and have life? Well, the Bible explains that we're dead in regards to God. Now, when you look at a graveyard, you see a lot of people who are dead. And that is, they're cut off from the living. They're alienated from those who are alive. You talk to them, they can't talk back. But when it comes to God, we who are alive outside of Christ, we're dead to God. There's a relationship that is severed, it's separated. There's no link between us and God. What is life technically in the scriptures? How does the Bible define life? 
Now, if you'll study the biology books and philosophers and scientists and the great thinkers of this world, none of them agree upon the meaning of life. In fact, that's one of the great mysteries of life is the meaning of life. All that people can do is just give us some attributes of life. Life is that which reproduces. Life is that which uh, is grows. But they really can't define it. And the reason why is because life is impossible to find outside of the context of God. God is life. Jesus made that clear. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Life is God. And therefore, death is simply, really to be understand what death is, is the separation from the life of God. And that's why God told Adam and Eve, the day you eat of this, you shall surely die. And of course, they did eat of that fruit. And they died. Of course, they were still alive in the physical sense, even though the body started to decay and they're growing old and they're on the process of dying physically, they immediately that day died spiritually. So we know that people who are born in this world, even though they're born physically alive, they're spiritually dead. They have no spiritual life in them. And so the subject of regeneration is our... Are the main idea of this message and we're going to look at what regeneration is and regeneration is what Jesus said to Nicodemus that you must be born again to see the kingdom of God obviously Nicodemus didn't understand what Jesus was saying because hey how can I enter into my mother's womb a second time it's impossible to be born two times and Nicodemus kind of chastised him a little bit for not understanding the spiritual context. And see, this is what it is to be born again. The Bible explains regeneration under these terms. Being born again, being quickened of the Holy Spirit, being made alive, being begotten of God, being birthed into the kingdom of God, being regenerated, and being made a new creature in Christ. And see, this is the problem of the world. They're alive, but they're living dead people. And that's why the Bible says that, tells us that the natural man, that is the man without Christ, receiveth the things of the Spirit, does not receive the things of the Spirit. Why? Because the Bible tells us, for they are foolish to him. Neither can he receive them because... They are spiritually discerned. Now, in this room, there's a lot of communication going on, a lot of information just flooding this, the airwaves in this room. But the problem is, or maybe it's a good thing in this case, is that we can't receive the information that's available here. But if we had an AM or FM radio, a receiver... We just turn it on, and there's the information already in the area, already here. And if you're dead in Christ, here's my vocal cords going out, the airwaves coming out into the, the air, into your hearing, and you may hear these things with your natural ear, but your spiritual ear is dead. And therefore, you hear what I say, and it's just nothing but foolishness. You cannot receive them. Because you are spiritually discerned. You don't have the receiver 
to pick up what the Bible communicates and gives out. What needs to happen, therefore, is a new life. You need to be born again. You need the life of Christ being imparted into your very soul. This is vital for salvation. This is vital for life. And in this verse, verse 18, we're going to look at five things regarding regeneration. We'll look at the author of regeneration, the cause of regeneration, the nature of regeneration, the instrument of regeneration, and the purpose of regeneration. All contained in this little verse. First of all, let's look at the author of regeneration. To get the author of it, we really kind of kind of go back a little bit into context and look at verse 17. It says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights which whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will he begot us. The author of regeneration is the father of lights. And we see this in the, in the context of this passage. James is speaking to some Jews that are being persecuted. And they had to flee uh, Jerusalem under the, the persecution of, of their own nation. And around the 60s AD, about 60 AD, they had to flee Jerusalem and they had to lose their houses, they lost their jobs, they lost most of their possessions, they're being dispersed throughout all the nations looking for refuge and now they're being tempted and tried and some of them are being uh, uh, tempted to fall from the faith, some are being tempted into sin and James is making it clear, listen, God is not the author of anything that will cause us to sin. He's not this author. But rather, rather than being the author of sin, he's the author of righteousness. He's the author of everything that's good in your life. If you have evil or sin in your life, look to yourself. But where does righteousness stem from in our life? It stems out of that new birth. It stems out of regeneration. Regeneration is the first building block of the Christian life. It is from this that the holy life springs forward. And is God the author of that which is within us that is good, not the evil lusts that draw our desires away and entice us to sin? See, in this passage, in verses 15 and 17 18, it deals with the sin, the development, the birth, the development, and the maturity of sin with these terminology of the natural birth. See, God's the father of regeneration, but we're the father of sin. Look at verse 15. It says, Then when lust hath conceived, here we have the conception of sin. It bringeth forth sin. Here you have the birth of sin. And when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. You have the maturity of sin. But in contrast, the father of lights, he's the father of regeneration that begets us into a new creature. In no way is God the author of sin. Rather, he's the author of all that is good such as regeneration. 
Now, here's the author of regeneration. We'll look at the cause of regeneration. Look at verse 18. Of his own will begot he us. The cause of regeneration is God's own will. Nothing more and nothing less. God willed it, and therefore we were born again. It is of His own will. As I said, the cause of sin comes from our own will. It says, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. The word lust is the same word for will. Everyone is sins when he's drawn away by his own will, his own desires, his own passions. But in contrast, we're born again by God's own will, his own passions, his own desires. He desires good in our life, while we in ourselves desire bad. We're tempted with sin and evil thoughts, bad things. We're the author of these things, but God is the author of all that is good. He's the author and the cause of regeneration. It is of his own will. In John chapter 1, we see this worked out in verse 11. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born, this is being born again, regenerated, not of the blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Not by our will, but of God. Implying it was God's will that we're born again. This word begot he us in verse 18 of chapter 1 of James. Of his own will. The word will here is in the past tense in the original. It really means that this is something God had willed. And it's completed. He desired this or ordained this. And we learn in Ephesians chapter 1 when this will actually came about. Before the foundation of the world. Of his own good pleasure. We were. In fact, let's just read that. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. We were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. It is impossible, therefore, for us to have willed our own spiritual birth any more than it would have been possible for us to will our own physical birth. None of us chose to be born into this world. We had no say in it. We were just begotten. We were just born by the will of someone else. In the same way, we were begotten by the will of the Father. I've used this illustration before, and I think in Brother Barney's church, but it applies here just as well. Was in college, I had this illustration given to me about salvation being like someone on a log floating down a river, and 
downstream is this big waterfall and if something doesn't happen before you get to the end of the waterfall you're going to perish but thankfully there's a bridge before you get there and there's a man with a rope hanging down the bridge and ready for you to reach off that log and grab a hold of that, that rope and pull you to safety and all you have to do to be saved is reach out and grab a hold of that rope and you will be saved that was the illustration given to me but I think the better illustration would be that we're already dead we already fell off the waterfall and we're at the bottom of the river lifeless we're not breathing and the Lord jumps off that bridge, goes over the same death in the waterfall into the bottom of the river and breathes life into us. Then brings us out of that depth of the water and we are alive by God's own will. So there we see the cause of regeneration. Now let's look further at the nature of regeneration. Of his own will begot he us. Now we see this word begot. Giving us an indicator of what regeneration is. It's something where we have begotten. And we hear this word a lot. But it really has a lot of truth behind it. A lot of meaning. See God has established that everything would be get after its own kind. In Genesis 1, 24, it says, God said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures after his kind. And no matter what scientists tell us and evolution tries to enforce upon us, horses beget horses and people beget hor people. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Maybe that's debatable, huh? <laughs> Yeah, you'll find out we might have come from apes after all, huh? But nevertheless, it is true that we're begotten after our own kind. Trees beget after their own kind. Dog trees produce dog trees and so forth. Now when the Bible says we are begotten of the Father, it says we're begotten of Him, of His own kind. Something miraculous has taken place. See, what is born of the flesh is flesh. When I was born in this world, I had the same nature of my mother and father. But when I was born again, I got a new nature. I took my nature from that which I was born from, from the Father. In fact, this is one of the most marvelous truths I've yet gotten my mind around. I think it's the most miraculous of all truths. And I say that about a lot of things, but I know right now this seems true. It's miraculous. If you would, turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. And just look for your own, yourself and let your own eyes see what God has said. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby and given unto us exceedingly great and precious promise, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. We're born of God and we therefore have the seed of God imparted into our own souls. 
We are, as the Bible says, gods. We are not divine, omnipotent, but we are holy. We are pure. We are received. We have received the divine nature of God. Because what is begotten of God is born of God. What is flesh is flesh, and what is spirit is spirit. This is what Paul meant in 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And this is what is called in Titus 3.15, the washing of regeneration. We were a wicked individual before this, but when we were born again, we were born with the nature of God. We've been given a new nature, a holy nature, a pure nature. Amazingly, God has washed us by the water of regeneration. In short, regeneration is being born of the seed of God, being given a new nature, a new heart, and new desires. Now, let's quickly look at the instrument of regeneration. Now, we've seen the author of it is God. The cause of it is, is God's will. And the instrument we'll see is His Word. Now, what do I mean by instrument? Now, here you have our architect. He's the author of a house. He plans it. He's the author. You have the craftsman who's the cause. The builder, the constructor, he's the cause of the building. The hammer is the instrument, the tools. See, God used something to make us alive. And just as when he created the world, he created it out of nothing and spoke things into existence, he spoke us into existence. And the means are... In other words, the instrument of regeneration is His own Word. It says, Of His own will begot He us with the Word of truth. The instrument of regeneration is the Word of God. Sinners are not born again apart from the truth. Romans 10, 14 says, How shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed and how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher no person is ever born again apart or independent of God's word of the truth so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God 1 Peter 1.23 echoes this by saying being born again not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible by the word of God. Ephesians 5.26 says, referring to the church, and that would be us who are born again, that he might sanctify and cleanse it, the church, with the washing of water by the word. So the washing of water that cleanses us is the word. And this is what I think Jesus meant when he told Nicodemus, except you be born again of the water and the, the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. The water is the Word. The washing of the Word. And this is why it's called the washing of regeneration. 
Now, James makes it clear. He doesn't call it the word of God. He calls it the word of truth. And I like that. What does James mean when he says the word of truth? What does this mean? Well, Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing of sunder of the soul and the spirit and of the joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Now, some say, some deep theologians say, listen, we're born again by the direct, illuminating power of God's word speaking to our heart. Now, others say, no, we're born again by the Bible, by the word that's contained in the Bible. And therefore, in this debate, what they try to do is separate the two. And say, hey, we... Or not ever, a lot of people read the Bible and get nothing out of it, right? And so therefore it can't be the Bible that we're born again by. It's, it's not this. It is the direct power of God speaking to our heart when we're alone and meditating by ourselves out in the woods. And so they make this great divide between the inward speaking of the Spirit into our conscience and the written Word of God. But the Bible makes no division. The Bible doesn't separate the Bible. The scriptures is written word from his illuminating word that goes into our heart. Now, I'm not saying we cannot distinguish these things in our thoughts and distinguish these things when we talk about these things, but to separate them is a whole different matter. The Bible makes it clear that how shall they believe if they have not heard? And how shall they hear without the preacher? Faith coming by hearing, and the hearing by the word of God. It explains this word of God. Yes, it is that quickening of the Holy Spirit, but it comes through the, the hearing of the preacher. See, God has chosen to speak to us, illuminate his word to us by the scriptures, in, by, and through the scriptures. It is this. You say, oh, if you exalt this, you, deal, you bring down God. No, this is God's word. And just because it's been recorded doesn't make it any less authoritative or real or alive as it is in the airwaves. It's alive. The problem is not this. The problem is with here, my eyes, my ears. All God has to do is take the shutters off. And I see. He speaks to me through His Word. And it's alive. It's real. It's quickening. It's worship. Treasure your Scriptures. And see, therefore, we who believe that we are born again by God's own will, we do not become lazy in evangelism. Why? Because God has chose to use the instrument of His Word to speak to His people. It's through the means of preaching, the foolishness of preaching, He's chosen to save the lost. There's a responsibility we have to share the faith. Yes, it is God who's the author. It's God that's the cause. But He uses a hammer to build his house. And that hammer is his word. Although some people are saved without reading the Bible per se, none are saved without the truth of the Bible. And that's why it's called the word of truth. And that's why, as we heard just a while ago, that Cronius didn't hear the gospel by the angel. And Peter came. And it was through the instrument of Peter's own testimony. The truth, the same truth that we possess, 
and that we share that people are born again. Fifthly, and my last point, and the most blessed of all the points, the one I get most excited about, is the purpose of regeneration. Look at this. Of his own will begot he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creature. Now this is what it's all about. This is the great design of giving us new life. That we might be a kind of first fruits. Now, when we hear the word first fruits uh, in the context that we live in uh, 2,000 years after this was written, it kind of, kind of goes over our head and we don't fully understand it. But the Jews really knew what this meant. Why? Because when they were brought out of Egypt, one of the great commands that they were to do when they go and build their houses and plant their gardens is that they're to take their first fruits and give it to the Lord. In fact, their first son, their first born was to be dedicated. Everything that was first was to be dedicated to God. And so this first fruit represents thankfulness. Two, it represents an act of worship. You're offering it to the Lord. And it shows that God is the author of these fruits. God's the one that gave us these fruits. He brought the rain. He, he nourished the soil. It's, it's of God that we have what we have. Therefore, we offer it, our first fruits, back to the Lord. But more importantly, it's a signification of more to come. It's the first fruits, meaning there's going to be some latter fruit, latter fruit, uh, fruit to come. Uh, and so, regeneration is the first fruits of God's redemptive work on the cross. It's the first fruits. And this should make us rejoice because there's more to come. There's more to be spring forth. You see, one of the things I hate most about my life is the sin still remaining within me. One day I was walking, taking a walk in my neighborhood, and I was looking at all the, as, as at night, and I was looking at all the windows, and I started being judgmental. I said, wonder what sins are going on in these houses around me. wonder what they're watching. wonder if they're thinking about God at all. And I was just looking at them, and all of a sudden God convicted me. I said, oh, but the sin is still here. Who am I to look into the windows of other people's houses but not check my own? And just the thought of my own corruption still remaining me sickened me. But see, regeneration is the reverse of that old nature. It's something God has started in me, but it's not the end. It's the beginning. It's the first fruits. Therefore, thou which follow the Lamb, wheresoever he goeth, these were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and unto the Lamb. We who are saved in this world, just as it's applied that regeneration is the first fruit of sanctification and therefore the end of glorification, so is those who are saved here today were the first fruits of all of the redemption of this world. See, God came and He's going to redeem the whole creation. He's going to give us a new heavens and a new earth where dwelleth righteousness. All the sins that dwells around us, all the wickedness that, this, that we get so burdened down with, one day there's going to be a new glorious heaven. And this is the fruits of God's labor on the cross. Right. Romans 8 says, For the earnest expectation of the creation waiteth for the manifestations of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who have subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from bondage and of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. 
And just as the nation of Israel were led out of bondage and therefore rather than been working for others, they worked for their own fruit and produced fruits and they gave their first, first fruits to the Lord knowing that there will be more fruit to come. In the same sense, we're the, me and you are the first fruits. One day this whole creation will be redeemed. The full harvest, the full harvest is the new earth. A new heaven will dwell up righteousness. It's when we rid ourselves of this corruptible body and take on a new, incorruptible, glorious body fashioned after the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us take comfort in regeneration. It's a glorious doctrine. It's the beginning of something glorious. What is regeneration? It is the new heart that God has given to us, caused by His own will through the word of truth. You see, rather than God being the author and the father of sin in this world, He's the author and the father of all that is right and good. And we can see that by the first fruits. I can look into your life and see something's different. I can see the work of God, the craftsmanship of God in your life. He is not responsible for sin and temptation, but rather the reverse of that. Thank God for this work He's done. Amen.